You're listening to the Housing Diversity Network's second podcast series with your host, Stuart Wilkin. HDN exists to promote equality, diversity and inclusion in the housing sector and beyond. Hello and welcome to the sixth episode of the Housing Diversity Network's series of podcasts. Uh, today we're down in London and I'm speaking to Khalid Mayer, the chair of Imani Housing. Um, Khalid does an awful lot of work, uh, executive support for BME London, which is a sister to BME National. So welcome, Khalid. Thanks very much for speaking to us. Tell me what's keeping you busy at the moment. What's keeping me busy? Yes, um, a lot of work that I do with um, BME London landlords. Um, and currently, you know, ironically around this 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 um, podcast, we're about to launch SHARP, which is the Social Housing Anti-Racism Pledge. And that came from, um, you know, obviously with the George Floyd and, and the pandemic, um, as a group of organisations, we kind of like thought about what type of legacy that we wanted to, to leave. And knowing at that time... Um, especially in terms of, you know, what was going on with the this disproportionality in terms of kind of like the health outcomes and, you know, um, you know, people suffering from COVID and then George Floyd. We said, okay, um, we needed to look at our strategy to see how we could, you know, provide influence and um, leadership, knowing that the radar was going to be pointed in our direction. So what were the what were the building blocks then? When, when, once you'd, once you'd realised that, um, you were going to be asked to do some work in this. How did you start? How did you start to, to, to move things forward? Well, I think one of the things that happened was um, Bashir Udin, who's the chief executive of Bangla Housing. Um, if you know, or if you can kind of recall, the Bangladeshi community was the community that was suffering more in terms of and fatalities with, with COVID, you know, around, you know, the June time, we had a very kind of like tense meeting and, and Bashi really kind of appealed to the group to say, well, you know, what, what we're going to do. And that kind of like led to um, his project, which is the, which was the Bangla COVID um, advice project. And we also, you know, just really went back to basics and, and looking at our strategy um, for moving forward. I mean, we were, we came together in around 2016 on the basis of maybe a, more of a value for money ticket. But as time progressed, we were looking at, okay, well, you know, how could we advocate for our communities? Because in relation to kind of like community facing enterprises, it could be argued that we're, we're at top of the food chain because obviously with um, housing associations, you know, we get rent and so the rent revenue model means that we're sustainable. So, um, most of our organizations have been around for about 30 years. So, you know, us coming together as a collaborative group, yeah, you know, there was all those those focuses around efficiencies, but it was really, I think, the George Floyd and the COVID moment really kind of like we had to say, okay, um, you know, are we really doing it? Are, are we really kind of like challenging the status quo? And I think, you know, when you're in social housing and you're um, a registered organisation with a, a regulated body, you do concentrate on, you know, um, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's in, re in relation to compliance because, you know, essentially that's that's your focus. But as BME-led organisations who were originally formed to meet the needs of, um, you know, second generation and third generation um, uh 
marginalized communities, um, there is also a role of, you know, pointing out the disproportionality and the, and the disadvantage that, that they have. So I think when we reflected on our journey to that point, we kind of like said, no, 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 you know, now, now's the time for us to step up and be counted. So you're sort of refocusing from uh, efficiencies towards fairness. Very much so. I mean, I think, you know, that's intrinsic within, you know, our, our, our missions anyway. But I think that that moment kind of like crystallized that, you know, um, I, su- I suppose we recognize that the sector we're going to, we're going to, speak to us or call to us to, to, to find out our perspective. So, I mean, we, we got ourselves in a, a kind of like state of readiment um, for that. And, you know, out of that, um, one of the projects was this anti-racism initiative. But there's been, I mean, there's been, there's been evidence and, and quite a lot of uh, information around unfairness and inequality in housing for quite some time. So there was the, the pandemic and the George Floyd case was that a catalyst was that a really spark or was it something that had been evolving and moving forward and just yeah. took a step up i think our, our lived experience is that yeah you know there's discrimin you know pervasive discrimination in in the uk going back i mean historically um you know it goes back to kind of like post-war and you know yeah. it could be argued that the state played you know a major role in 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 post-war racism you know and you know the evidence is is all there if you you know if you if you look at and, and go and check some of the academics. Um, and I think, you know, if you think uh, this society is, it's, it's a capitalist society, it's run by politics, and one could argue that we all live in the land of social climbing, depending yeah. on, you know, if, if you want to keep your job, yeah. you know, you, you kind of like keep, keep your head down, don't you, really? And, yeah. and I suppose organisations and corporations have their culture which kind of like lends to that, you know, if you want to be successful and, and you want to be seen of value, you, you kind of like toe the company line. Now within in the, the, the community development or social housing sector, um, you know, I, I'd argue that, you know, you know, we're a kind of like a microcosm of society and, um, yeah. you know, those, those cultures lend to it. And that very much depends about the leadership, doesn't it? It depends about the governance and, yeah. and, and who's in charge, effectively. And the organisational culture. Mm. I mean, you've worked in both private and public sectors, and mm. I, I agree with you, private sector, there's an element of politics, it's a lot about money and shareholder value. Mm. Um, so what holds back the, the social housing, what holds back the public sectors in terms of... Well, I, don't, I, think, I think things have improved, and I suppose I'm coming from a kind of like a cynical perspective and, and one kind of like maybe hypercritical and, you know, I think, you know, the, the public sector and, and the voluntary sector are well ahead of the game because, you know, the, the roots on how they're founded is, is that. It's about fairness and equality and, and, and equity. But equally, you know, if the majority of people in this country are white and they haven't experienced discrimination, um, half of the time they don't kind of like understand the impact that, that that discrimination has on people, even people who are enlightened or woke, as they say now. You know, it's one thing um, having experience and, and, and having friends and, and, and knowing about it. It's yeah. another one kind of like having a lived experience. So I think really for our organisations, you know, you have to, you know, like you say, operational culture. You pay, you you play the politics of a of an organisation almost unwittingly. Yeah. So you know, it's really about you know, I think that George Floyd moment um, where everybody came out globally. You know, everybody said that okay, well, this is the time really for us to really reflect and look at ourselves. And equally, organisations as as 
as organic organisms, you know, took that on board because, you know, essentially the people had been been affected. Yeah, well, I want to ask you about organisational culture and how to um, how to build a non-racist organisation. But first, uh, Kay, can I ask you uh, about the Sewell Report and the, yeah, the, the Sewell well, Report? Yeah. I mean, you've spoken about it before and I'd like, I'd like to talk to our listeners about it. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, um, as, as soon as um, Tony Sewell was appointed, you know, for me, I knew the writing was on the wall as to potentially what, what was going to be an outcome. And if you, and again, you know, I don't really want to go into to politics, but, you know, a lot of times we don't talk about kind of politics and political strategy. You know, it's obvious that, you know, if, if, if a government of the day wants to get, you know, a particular outcome, it makes sure it's got the right people in order to get that, that outcome. Of course. I mean, knowing about um, Tony Sewer, he used to be a columnist on The Voice. And, you know, I think he's done some really sterling work with his organisation, um, which is really about kind of like creating more opportunity at a kind of like a higher level um, and focusing on on kind of like education as a, as a way forward. Um, but, you know, ultimately, you know, you, you knew that, you know, by the time the report came out, it was going to sing the tune of the government of the day. And I think that's what exactly what it done. And I think the backlash um, that it had um, in the media and the press, I think, you know, is, is well documented now. And I think, you know, um, where other organisations have gone in terms of recognising they need to do something anti-discrimination, you know, really kind of pulls the wall from underneath that that particular government initiative, I think they they were trying to steer, um, you know, individuals, you know, uh, you know the the pop they were trying to again steer that populist um, yeah. outlook on 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 racism as okay, well we're we're beyond that in this country. Look at yeah. all the good work that we've done, rather than and and rather than kind of like looking at okay, where are we now, and really kind of like you know make this a, a more equal society. Mm. There was some politics in there, preaching to the red wall that had become the blue wall, and particularly across the north of England. Um, do, do you think Tony Taylor had a point in terms of the acronym BME and, and whether that sometimes deflects from, you know, do we talk too much about acronyms and what we can and can't say rather than actually tackling racism? Uh, yeah, I think, I, I mean, there, there is, I think there's some, there's some mileage in it, but, you know, We've been using kind of like BME for so long. Mm. Um, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, on one level you can say, okay, well, that's undermining um, society. But those of us in the in the housing sector, that's what we're recognised at. So, you know, it, it's almost kind of like it would be foolish for us to kind of like ditch that that name yeah. because, you know, when we say BME-led housing organisations, you know who we're, we're, we're really talking about and we've established yeah. that brand within that. So, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked within the housing sector about it but it's almost like okay well you know we're trying to you know move on with the work as it were rather than kind of like um think about a name as such now maybe in wider society there's this space for that debate but ultimately when when people are impoverished when people are getting locked up when people are dying and stuff yeah. like that you know to quibble about a name yeah. is is not what you know i'm yeah. going to spend my time doing yeah. you know it's more about you know improving the quality and the, improving the outcomes of, of people's lives if you think about one of the the alarming well not statistics but if you look at you know in urban um areas where there's there's regeneration going on people living in social housing and there's a lack of social housing being being built what about 
all of the young people who live in those social housing, where are they going to live? Yeah. You know, and how are they going to kind of like reconcile their journeys potentially going forward? So, you know, we've yeah. got some real challenges um, going forward in terms of, so, you know, those of us in the housing sector, you know, would be better off kind of like, you know, trying to get to grips with, you know, you know how we shape, uh, you know, a future so that everybody can get yeah. Um, affordable housing if they need it. Yeah, sure. And you think the the, the, the legacy from the uh, sewer report will be that oh, that's that's happened, it's done now. Well, I think, I mean, well people, not talking, well, people are not talking about it anymore, are they? Exactly. So that, the, yes. the, the evidence is there. And I think, you know, there are so many organisations that are now kind of like open to looking at, at being more diverse and yeah. looking at how they can be more inclusive going forward. And, you know, the fact that, you know, everybody understands that it makes more business sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, media, well, let's say the creative industries in terms of the adverts and everything, that, that's kind of like painting a picture to yeah. you now. They say, oh, well, the yeah. consumer, you know, we've got to kind of like yeah. um, think about where they're at and, and start reflecting the society that we live in more. Yeah. So organisational culture then, how how do we build uh, a non-racist organisation? Well, That's going to be the biggest question of the day. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's a, it's, it's a challenge. Mm. Um, and I think, um, you know, we've never had a better time than for organisations to now embrace that question. And I think a lot of people in Atlanta, you've got, you've got these terms like woke. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, in terms of the media, you've got much more representation. There's a lot that's been done, you know, in in the most popular sport, which is football. So, yeah. you know, and if you look at how that journey's gone, you know, when we had the World Cup. Yeah. And it's got you know a couple of guys missed the yeah. the the um, the penalties, yeah. and then you know you had the knee, and I think it was a backlash against the the knee thing. And then Gareth Southgate came out yeah. and started um, yeah. and made that statement. Then things shifted, and you saw on the terraces, you know, people are now are clapping that. Hundred percent. Go on. No, I say that yeah. because essentially, almost where Gareth Southgate um, stood up yeah. um, at the highest level. And, and, and stood out and, and yeah. sent that messaging. Yeah. And then the leadership that the, the sports media now have taken in relation to it, yeah. it's, it's opened the conversation. Um, and I think, you know, there was some kind of like impassioned statements. I don't know if you saw Sky Sports on the cricket as well, because, you know, subsequently we've had the whole yeah. cricket racism thing at, at Yorkshire. Yeah. And, and again, you know, so you had kind of like a moment. So you, you go back to George Floyd, you know, you know we've had, momentum in the space you've had the you know the sewer report come in and try and you know lever it off in one direction and then they're a backlash and then you know all these things kind of like happening kind of sequentially um you know people are actually really now putting their brains towards it yeah so this is where coming back to the um the sharp the social housing yeah. anti-racism pledge that we, we've come up with. We, we recognise that you almost need like a quality assurance framework um, to help people, guide people on that, that way forward. Yeah. And, you know, we've got a kind of like a report that kind of like outlines the elements of our um, framework. And we also have um, a document which is called kind of like six principles to... Um, to inform your housing uh, anti anti racism strategy. Yeah. So the the areas of those are kind of like clarifying your organisation stances and values. You know, create a systematic approach for practical 
action, um, commit to sustained action through visible leadership and a willingness to change, critically appraise your housing management service delivery approach from end to end, connect your people by creating safe spaces, systems and times to talk, share experiences and learn from each other and communicate your messages consistently and ensure that communication is two ways. You know, I've kind of like just read that off, yeah. of, off of our document. But the thing that strikes me is the visible leadership. I mean, that's, sh- 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 that is surely the key to the whole thing. Totally, totally. And, uh, so how do you do that? How do you- <laughs> well, this is why we've kind of effectively kind of created the, the framework, essentially, because we know that's going to be a challenge. And I think one of the things at BME London Annals and at BME National, we were discussing and saying, okay, well, if we don't um, step up to the plate and, and, and continue the momentum, you know, the, the focus on this is going to dissipate. You know, it's kind of like politics, isn't it? Like, you know, almost in terms of the, like, the topic of the day, you know, they, they can kind of provide diversionary tactics. So, you, can, you know, it, it, it's something of the, of the old. But I think where we saw the, the global reaction and like I said, what's happening in the media and, you know, um, we're seeing it more in, uh, every day. I think, you know, rank and file people, um, you know, the people of this country are now kind of like, you know, exploring and reflecting on, on themselves. So that needs yeah. to be done within a uh, an organisational space. And like you say, you know, what's crucial is um, the leadership. And, and that's why we, you know, like I said, with our... Um, our pledge, we've got kind of like three levels to it, in fact, and they, they kind of like focus very much on, well, the first level is about a commitment to an organisational action plan on anti-racism. The second part is a, a completion of a, an external or audit, which really kind of like looks at um, verification of uh, progress in relation to you going on the action plan. And the last bit is more about organisational accountability, where an organisation has got to demonstrate at its governing and, and corporate management team level that they've, um, you know, set targets, you know, they've, they've, they've gone through processes to on that journey with um anti-racism so you know we create this framework to aid organization and we recognize you know you can't be um definitive because you know organizations come in different shapes and sizes so you know we've created enough bandwidth within the 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 framework for an organization to kind of like go at its own pace but we're working in partnership with hcn i don't know if you knew this before you know in order to 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 deliver this and obviously hcn has got a lot of experience in terms of edi generally but i think you know there was something that was definitely needed distinct from edi because you know discrimination or anti-racism could kind of like get lost in the milieu so um like I said, within our, within our, our our six principles that I outlined, you know, there's a lot of kind of like recommendations as to kind of like how organisations kind of like you know can 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 you know embark on that journey and, and and keep consistent and gain momentum on that on that journey. So really, that's what the, the framework is about. It's really about tackling that 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 um, challenge that you put to me in that question, how does an organization do it? And I don't think, you know, essentially it's going to be different for different organizations, yeah. but it's important to give them a framework yeah. in order to, to make easy, easy steps to, and I suppose even like um, people coming or signing up to the pledge, even if they get the badge, you know, that's not necessarily going to maybe eliminate um, 
anti-racism, but, you know, speaking to, you know, some of my colleagues, of you know, people of colour, you know, if an organisation makes that statement that, you know, we're, we're anti-racism, we, you know, we've got these measures in place, you, you know, you feel more um, confident and included and, and believe that this is an organisation I, I can work for. So where an organisation is not doing that, you know, it could be argued, okay, well, you know, what are you doing about that? And, you know, if, if that organisation is is challenging you and you get a bit of a pushback that yeah. that, that says something about the, the organisational yeah. culture. And you have to see through the people saying, oh, we're already doing it okay. That's right. So, so what are you practically doing with Sharp? Where are you going with it? Right. Well, we're, we're really um, courting all of the social, well, anybody in social housing, in effect. Firstly, we're targeting the housing associations that are, are registered, registered social landlords. Uh, primarily, we're working in, in partnership with the National Housing Federation to, to get the message out. We're going to be approaching um, inside housing to kind of get more publicity about it. And we're actually working directly with um, some of the housing diversity network regional groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to have some kind of like input into kind of like shaping how that, that goes forward. So I think we're, we're actually starting with those members of the housing, dine- uh, housing diversity network initially. Um, and then looking to kind of like roll it out across the sector. And, you know, we see no reason why, you know, we cannot engage local authorities mm. in this as well. And also um, service providers in, in the social housing space. Brilliant. As you know, HDM, we're very keen on <clears throat> uh, getting rid of racism and discrimination in the housing sector and beyond. And the board training program is the initiative we're trying to push people through, get people from a totally diverse range of, uh, of backgrounds so that they can serve the customers so much better. And that's, that sits hand in hand with the Sharp Initiative, clearly. Well, I'm, I'm optimistic because, I mean, what I, when I see, you know, kind of like everyday people in, 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 you know, in my everyday life, you know, I think, you know, it's really tough because, you, you know, you've got, um, I think, Boris Johnson making that statement about the immigration initiative to, to Rwanda. And, I mean, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot of, uh, discourse about that at the moment, but my you know everyday experience from you know I'm I'm in my fifties now, so you can imagine my journey as a young man, um, you know, looking at you know my career and, and 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 going forward and 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 being subject to to, to racism and 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 systematic uh, racism, um, you know I've never felt that. People are inherently racist. It's it's just sometimes kind of like through circumstance. Like, let me share with you. Like, you know, I went to school in Battersea, um, which is in, in South London, kind of like urban comprehensive. And you know, I think it would have been forty percent, you know, people of colour, you know, sixty percent white, um, you know, working class area. And um, I know that I had a lot of white working class friends at school but when I left school um you know I had I didn't have so many more uh, you know you know that that you know the number kind of like yeah. decreased so this I think and Joseph Roundtree I think have done some research on you know having a kind of like diverse network and how it kind of like benefits you and how having a diverse network for for white people benefits them a lot more yeah. than it does um, for, for black people. And I, I kind of like say that to say that I think now because there is an awareness of, you know, you know anti-racism is, is, a, is a thing of the past and we need to get to that kind of like 
uh, that that post-racial yeah. space, you know, or that's an aspiration for for all society. Um, you know, you get the sense that you know, like I said, you know, to use a word, people are more woke, as it were, and yeah. and are more conscious of um, understanding people and their backgrounds and how that can kind of like contribute to you know just a much safer and a, and a, and a better life experience. You know, experience in other people's cultures, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. You know, I, I'm I'm optimistic that um, you know I've been I've been very pleased with what I've seen in the football space because yeah. I mean I went to Chelsea when I was about um, ten years old. Yeah. You know, when in the days when you know they used to throw the banana skins and yeah. you know stood up in the shed. Yeah. And I, you know, I reflect back and think, what was I doing there? You know, <laughs> and you know, my mum would have kind of like kittens when, I, as a young person, when yeah. I would go out fearing, yeah. you know, the worst that can potentially happen to me. Yeah. Whereas you know. Whilst I still have concern for my children, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, you know, I mean, I live in Norwich, so you know, I mean, you know, if if maybe if they were living in London, I, I'd I'd have the same kind of like level of concern. But you know, I'm not so much concerned about you know, you know, I have the concern, but you, yeah. I think you understand what I'm trying to yeah. say. So, and you know, generally the the instances of of racism that, that I come across, you know, you know, are, are kind of few and far between. Yeah. But having said that, you know, my 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 children who've just gone through, I think, further education, have had their own experiences, and didn't know really that racism is, exists in this kind of like in, invisible space, as it were, and yeah. have had to kind of like reconcile it. So, um, I hope I'm, I'm I'm making sense there. I'm just saying that there's, there's a journey there where I'm more optimistic, but yeah. you know. There is still clearly a lot for for society to do to make to make things equal and fair. And I think society recognises that as a whole. Uh, there are political influences here and there. It's recognised. People are generally good on this course to be optimism to be optimistic. Kelly, that's great. Thank you. Thanks for speaking to us, and thanks very much. And very best of uh, wishes from everybody at HDN. Thank you. Thank you.